section ten of a compendious history of english literature and of the english language volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org a compendious history of english literature and of the english language volume one by george lilly craik chapter two part four latin chroniclers but by far the most valuable portion of our latin literature of this age consists of the numerous historical works which it has bequeathed to us as these works have a double interest for the english reader belonging to the country and the age in which they were written by their subject as well as by their authorship we will give some account of the most important of them the following are the principal collections that have been made in modern times of our old latin historians or chroniclers one rerum britannicarum id s angliae scotiae wiccanarum quae insularum ac regionum scriptoris vetustioris ac praecipui a hieronymus camelino folio heidelberg and lugdano fifteen eighty seven two rerum anglicarum scriptoris post badam praecipui ex vetustissimus manuscripts nunc primum in lucum editi a henry saville folio london fifteen ninety six and frankfort sixteen o one three anglica normanica hibernica cambrica Eveteribus scripta ex bibliotheca julielmi camdeni folio frankfort sixteen o two and sixteen o three for historii normanorum scriptoris antiqui studio andre duchenne folio paris sixteen nineteen five historii anglicanae scriptoris decum ex vetustis manuscripts nunc primum in lucum editi a roger tweesden a joan selden folio london sixteen fifty two six anglicarum scriptorum veterum thomas imus quorum ingulfus nunc primum integer ceteri nunc primum pro deunt ad joanna fell well potius quiam fulman folio oxonensis sixteen eighty four sometimes incorrectly cited as the first volume of gale's collection seven historiae anglicanae scriptoris quinque ex vetustis codex manuscripts nunc primum in lucem editae a thomas gale folio axonensis sixteen eighty seven this is probably the second volume of gale's collection eight historii britannicae saxonicae anglo danicae scriptoris quindecum ex vetustis codex manuscripts editae 
opera tamascale folio accinensis sixteen ninety one this is properly the first volume of gale's collection though often cited as the third nine anglia sacra seaway collectio historiarum de archiepiscopus et episcopus angliae ah henrica wharton two tomes folio london sixteen ninety one ten historiae anglicanae scriptoris wariae a codex manuscript nunc primum editae ah joseph spark folio london seventeen twenty three eleven historiae anglicanae kirka tempus conquestus angliae ah guilielmo notho nor manorum duque selecta monumenta excerpta ex volumine andrew du chaine cum notis etc a francisco maseris quarto london eighteen o seven twelve monumenta historica britannica or materials for the history of britain from the earliest period to the end of the reign of king henry the seventh published by command of her majesty volume first extending to the norman conquest folio london eighteen forty eight by petrie sharp and hardy to which may be added thirteen the series of works printed by the historical society from eighteen thirty eight to eighteen fifty six extending to twenty nine volumes octavo and fourteen the series entitled rerum britannicarum medii evi scriptoris or chronicles and memorials of great britain and ireland during the middle ages published by authority of her majesty's treasury under the direction of the master of the rolls octavo london eighteen fifty seven etc ingolfus the history of the abbey of croyland or as the place is now called croyland in lincolnshire professing to be written by the abbot ingolfus who presided over the establishment from a d ten seventy five till his death at the age of about eighty and eleven o nine was first published from an imperfect copy by sir henry saville in his collection london fifteen ninety six and frankfort sixteen o one and afterwards in a more complete form by fulman in his scriptoris veteris oxford sixteen eighty four in the interval between these two the only editions of the work the laws of william the conqueror in french which were wanting in the manuscript used by saville were published from another manuscript by selden in sixteen twenty three in his edition of ede Mer, and from another by sir henry spellman in sixteen thirty nine in the first volume of his concilia all these four the only known manuscripts of the work have now disappeared of what has become of that used by saville nothing is known that from which selden took his copy of the laws of the congress seems to have been one which was in the cotton library the same from which fulman was supplied with a leaf in which his own manuscript was defected by his friend gale and that was destroyed by the calamitous fire at ashburnham house in seventeen thirty one that which spellman transcribed was preserved in the church of croyland in a chest locked with three keys which were kept by the church wardens and was believed by him to be what it was reputed the author's autograph but as selden could not obtain access to it a few years before so nobody has seen it since and when fulman made inquiry after it in the latter part of the same century it was no longer to be found finally that employed by fulman which belonged to sir john marsham was afterwards given or lent by him to obadiah walker the famous master of university college who was turned out at the revolution in sixteen eighty eight and all that further appears is that walker told bishop gibson in sixteen ninety four 
that it was then in the library of university college where however it has not since been found it seems most likely that it never was deposited there for it was carried off by walker who professed to consider it as his own property on the simple principle which it appears is recognized among antiquarian collectors that a manuscript belongs to any one who has once no matter by what means got it into his possession the old gentleman writes gibson to dr charlotte the then master of university college in relating what had just passed between them on the subject has too much of the spirit of an antiquary and a great scholar to think stealing a manuscript any sin he has ordered me not to discover where it is lodged these particulars are mostly collected from a learned and valuable paper on the sources of anglo-saxon history which appeared some years ago in the quarterly review and to which we shall have frequent occasion further to refer the writer understood to be sir francis palgrave proceeds to show very ingeniously and conclusively that the manuscript which spellman saw at Coyland could not in all probability have been older than the end of the thirteenth or the beginning of the fourteenth century from a mistranscription of a word in his extract eustris for uesquis which was very likely to have taken place in copying a writing of that date but could hardly have happened in reading a manuscript of the end of the eleventh century the age of engulfers but if the external evidence for the antiquity and authenticity of the work be thus defective the internal evidence may be pronounced to be conclusive against its claim to be accounted either the composition of engulfus or work of any historical value it appears in fact to be if not altogether what the reviewer calls it an historical novel at least in the main a monkish forgery of the thirteenth or fourteenth century which may possibly contain some things not the produce of the writer's invention and found by him in histories or other records now lost but no statement in which whatever appearance of probability it may wear can be safely received upon its authority not only the portion of the history which relates to the times preceding the pretended writer's own age but the account which engulfus is made to give of himself is full of the most glaring improbabilities and in some parts demonstrably false and impossible for the demonstration however we must refer the reader to the article in the quarterly review the writer of which justly observes that anachronisms which merely impeach the accuracy of the historian are entirely fatal to autobiography in none of our chroniclers anterior to the fourteenth century the reviewer asserts is there a single line to be traced that is borrowed from engulfus and this is a fact of no slight significance if the work he remarks had existed it could scarcely have been neglected by these inveterate compilers of course if the history of Coyland by engulfus be rejected its continuation to a d eleven eighteen attributed to peter of blois which was also contained in the cotton and sir john marsham's codices and is published in fullman's collection must be included in the same sentence its pretended author having died long before the date at which upon this supposition the work he professes to continue was written there are also three further continuations bringing down the narrative with certain gaps to the year fourteen sixty nine an english translation of the whole by mr h t riley was published in bond's antiquarian library in eighteen fifty four and another the same year by mr stevenson in volume two part second of the church historians of england william of poitiers putting ingulfus and his first continuator aside our oldest historian of the conquest will be william of poitiers guillemus pictowensis 
pictaweensis or pictaweenus whose life of the conqueror gesta guilmi ducus normanorum et regis ungorum was published by du Chaine in his historiae normanorum scriptoris paris sixteen nineteen and has been reprinted by baron maceris in his useful selection from that scarce volume london eighteen o eight a new edition announced as in preparation by the english historical society has never appeared but a translation into french originally published at cannes in eighteen twenty six is included in monsieur guizot's collection des mémoires relatifs à l'histoire de france jusqu'au treizième siècle volumes octavo paris eighteen twenty two thirty five unfortunately the only known manuscript of the work which is in the cotton library at the british museum is imperfect ordericus vitalis writing in the beginning of the next century expressly describes the narrative as ending with the death of earl edwin in ten seventy but what we have of it comes down only to march or april ten sixty seven the beginning is also wanting what remains however which includes the english and norman story from the death of canute in ten thirty five when the norman duke was only eight years old to his coronation as king of england after the victory of hastings and the first acts of his reign is of the highest value william of poitiers was not an englishman he was a native of normandy and derived his surname of pictaweensis from having received his education at poitiers but he appears to have accompanied his hero and patron on his expedition to england and in that as well as in the other parts of his story to relate for the most part what he had seen with his own eyes he had been in close attendance upon or connection with the conqueror for the greater part of their lives having first served under him as a soldier and having afterwards been made his chaplain if indeed he may not like friar tuck and robin hood in the next age have officiated at the same time in both these capacities no one therefore could have enjoyed better opportunities of observing and appreciating william in all aspects of his character public and domestic as a sovereign and as a man and pictaweensis had both head and heart enough of his own to comprehend the high nature with which he was thus brought into contact his biography of the conqueror is throughout a cordial and sympathizing narrative a full-length picture of a great man drawn at least with no timid hand yet there is no profession or apparent design of defence or panegyric and but little direct expression of admiration that feeling is too natural too habitual too much a matter of course with the worthy chaplain to be very often or very emphatically expressed with no misgivings either of his subject or of his reader he contents himself for the most part with stating facts and leaving them to speak for themselves the work it may be added is written with considerable ambition of eloquence pictaweensis had had a learned education to begin with which his campaigning did not knock out of him so that when he returned in his old age to his native country and was made archdeacon of lisieux he was esteemed quite a shining light of scholarship in the norman church 
in the judgment of ordericus vitalis his latin is an imitation of that of sallust and in the same subtle and artistic style we are told he also wrote much verse none of which however appears to be now extant ordericus vitalis ordericus vitalis is the author of a general ecclesiastical history beginning from the creation and coming down to a d eleven forty one the whole of which consisting of thirteen books and occupying above six hundred folio pages or more than half of his collection du shen has printed a greatly improved edition of the entire work by m a le prevost the publication of which at paris was begun in eighteen thirty eight under the auspices of the societe de l'histoire de france was completed in five volumes octavo in eighteen fifty five and a reproduction of the old text of duchenne is stated to form the one hundred and forty eighth volume of the patrologie of m l'abbe mignes published the same year ordericus or ordricus who assumed the name of vitalis on becoming a monk of the monastery of Uchet, uticum otherwise known as that of saint evreul in normandy in which he spent the rest of his days was of english birth he was born at a village which he calls adingshem achim on the severn in shropshire in ten seventy five and although he had been carried to the continent to be educated for the ecclesiastical profession when he was only in his eleventh year and spent all the rest of his life abroad he continued to take a special interest in the affairs of his native country and of its norman sovereigns with whom his father whom he calls odelirius the son of constantius of orleans had probably been nearly connected as principal counsellor praecipio conciliario whatever that may mean to roger montgomery earl of shrewsbury who was one of the followers of the conqueror he is accordingly very full in his account of english transactions from the epoch of the norman conquest and his history is particularly valuable in the portion of it from a d ten sixty six to ten seventy as in some sort supplying what is lost of that of pictawiensis whose narrative he professes generally to have followed although not without both omissions and variations this portion of the history of ordericus vitalis making about a thirteenth part of the whole has been reprinted by maceris in his selecta monumenta and there is a french translation of the entire work by louis dubois in the collection of ancient french memoirs published at paris under the superintendence of m guizot volumes twenty five twenty six twenty seven and twenty eight an english translation with notes by mr thomas forrester has appeared in bond's antiquarian library in four volumes eighteen fifty three to four a remarkable fragment taken from an ancient book belonging to the monastery of st stephen at cannes containing an account of the last hours of the conqueror and of his death and funeral which camden has printed in his collection and which he conjectures to be probably from the pen of guillemus Tawiensis is in fact the concluding portion of the seventh book of ordericus vitalis and translation of it is given by stowe in his chronicle ordericus has himself told us that pictawiensis was prevented by circumstances from bringing down his history as he had intended to do to the death of the conqueror justa stefani william of jumiege another valuable portion of the english history of this period by a contemporary writer which duchenne has published is the tract entitled justa stefani filling about fifty of his pages 
it is by a partisan of stephen but is probably the fairest as it is the fullest and most distinct account we have of his turbulent reign a new edition of it prepared by mr r c sewell was published by the english historical society in eighteen forty six and it is translated along with a chronicle of henry of huntingdon by mr forrester in one of the volumes of bond's antiquarian library eighteen fifty three in duchenne's collection is likewise the history in eight books of the dukes of normandy by william the monk of jumiege surnamed calculus wellamy calculi gementicensis monachi historia normanorum which camden had printed before from a worse manuscript and less correctly in his anglica normanica etc of this also there is a french translation in m guizot's collection volume twenty nine it was originally published at cannes along with william of poitiers in eighteen twenty six in the earlier part of his work down to the accession of duke richard the second the great-grandfather william the conqueror in nine ninety six is little more than an abridger of the earlier norman historian dudo also in duchenne but there are a few facts not elsewhere to be found in the sequel which brings down the narrative of norman and english affairs to his own time and which is farther continued through the reigns of the conqueror and his two sons apparently by another hand for gemetta kensis dedicates his work to the conqueror and ordericus Vitalis expressly states that he finished it with the battle of hastings florence of worcester the earliest of our english chroniclers or analysts properly so-called who wrote after the norman conquest is commonly held to be the monk florence of worcester whose work entitled chronicon ex chronicus was printed in quarto at london in fifteen ninety two under the care of lord william howard and reprinted in folio at frankfort in sixteen o one two new editions have recently been published one by mr petrie in the monumenta eighteen forty eight the other prepared by mr thorpe for the historical society two volumes octavo eighteen forty eight to forty nine it extends from the creation to the year eleven nineteen in which the author died and there is printed along with it a continuation by another writer to the year eleven forty one it is for the greater part a transcript from the notices of english affairs contained in the general history or chronology which bears the name of marianus scotus intermixed with a nearly complete transcript of osser's life of king alfred and enlarged in the times not treated of in that work by ample translations from the national chronicle the chronicle of scotus said to have been of english birth and descended from a relation of bede was a favourite book in our monasteries in the middle ages there was hardly one in the kingdom says bishop nicholson that wanted a copy of it and some had several besides the numerous transcripts which very greatly it has been more than once printed but never we believe in a complete form speaking of florence of worcester's compilation the writer of the article in the quarterly review to which we have more than once referred observes some notices are extracted from b the facts of which the original sources cannot be ascertained are very few but important and occur principally in the early part of the history they are generally of that class which we may suppose to have been derived from the saxon genealogies though the great mass of information afforded by florence is extant in the saxon chronicle still his work is extremely valuable he understood the ancient saxon language well better perhaps than any of his contemporaries and he has furnished us with an accurate translation from a text which seems to have been the best of its kind 
the principal value of florence's performance in fact consists in its serving as a key to the chronicle one of the volumes of bond's library contains a translation by mr forrester of florence of worcester and also of two anonymous continuations of his work one of which extending to the year eleven forty one is accounted of great value this is not given in the monumenta but it is in the other editions both florence and his continuators appear also in the first part of the second volume of the church historians of england eighteen fifty three in part translated by mr stevenson matthew of westminster the quarterly reviewer however is inclined to think that florence was preceded by another writer the author of the compilation entitled floris historiarum usually ascribed to matthew of westminster who appears to be a fictitious personage this english history which has been brought down by other unknown writers to the year thirteen o seven or to the end of the reign of edward i is based upon another general chronicle similar to that of marianus scotus with the addition of much matter derived apparently from ancient english sources some of which are unknown the writer in the quarterly review who prefers giving the author the name of florilegis thinks it probable that his work supplied florence with certain passages which are not found in the national chronicle florilegis he observes has retained and quoted a sufficient number of anglo-saxonisms and of anglo-saxon phrases to show that he was in possession of saxon materials which he consulted to the best of his ability he has not used them with the fidelity of florence of worcester for his knowledge of the anglo-saxon language was imperfect but still he is not guilty of any intentional falsification and therefore when he relates probable facts it is fair to conclude that he is equally voracious although the saxon original of his chronicle be not extant the work under the title of matii westmonasteriensis floris historiarum praecipue de rebus britannicus ab exordio mundi usque ad a d thirteen o seven was first published by archbishop parker in folio at london in fifteen sixty seven and again in fifteen seventy and was reprinted in folio at frankfurt in sixteen o one along with florence of worcester there is an english translation of it by mr c d young making two volumes of bond's library eighteen fifty three william of malmesbury the first in point of merit and eminence of our latin historians of this period is william of malmesbury so designated as having been a monk of that great monastery although his proper surname is said to have been somerset he was probably born about the time of the norman conquest and though of english birth he intimates that he was of norman descent by one parent putting in a claim on that ground to be accounted an impartial witness or judge between the two races malmesbury's english history consists of two parts or rather distinct works the first entitled gesta regum anglorum in five books extending from the arrival of the angles and saxons to the year eleven twenty the second entitled historia noella in three books bringing the narrative down to eleven forty two it has been commonly supposed that the author died in that or the following year but there is no evidence that he did not live to a later date a portion of the gesta was printed as the work of an unknown author in Kamaline's volume of british writers in fifteen eighty seven both the gesta and the historia noella are in saville's collection fifteen ninety six and sixteen o one and a new and much more correct edition of the two by mr thomas duffus hardy in two volumes octavo london eighteen forty forms one of the publications of the historical society there is a very good english translation of william of malmesbury 
by the rev john sharp quarto london eighteen fifteen and another professing to be based upon it by dr giles makes one of the volumes of bond's library eighteen forty seven malmesbury although there is an interval of nearly five hundred years between them stands next in the order of time after beat in the series of our historical writers properly so called as distinguished from mere compilers and diarists his histories are throughout original works and in their degree artistic compositions he has evidently taken great pains with the manner as well as with the matter of them but he also evinces throughout a love of truth as the first quality of historical writing and far more of critical faculty in separating the probable from the improbable than any other of his monkish brethren of that age who have set up for historians notwithstanding his fondness for prodigies and ecclesiastical miracles in which of course he had the ready and all digestive belief which was universal in his time of course too he had his partialities in the politics of his own day and his account of the contest between matilda and stephen may be compared with that of the author of the gesto stefani by those who would study both sides of the question both his histories are inscribed in very encomiastic dedications to robert earl of gloucester matilda's famous champion saville's collection also contains another work of malmesbury's his lives of the bishops of england digestus pontificum anglorum in four books and a life of st anhelm bishop of sherborne assumed to be a fifth book of this work was afterwards published by gale in his scriptoris fifteen oxoniensis sixteen ninety one and the same year by henry wharton in the second volume of his anglia sacra gale's volume contains besides a history of the monastery of glastonbury by malmesbury de antiquitate glastoniensis ecclesiae and wharton's contains his life of st woolstan others of his treatises still remain in manuscript edmer the modern history or history of his own time historia norwarum siwe sui seculi by his contemporary edmer the monk of canterbury is noticed by malmesbury in the prologue or preface to the first book of his gesta as a lucubration written with a sober festivity of style sobria sermonis festivitate elucubratum opus it was first published folio london sixteen twenty three with learned annotations by selden who holds that in style edmer equals malmesbury and in the value of his matter excels him it is also added with the other writings of edmer as a supplement to the works of archbishop anselm both in gerberon's edition folio paris sixteen seventy five and in that of the benedictines folio paris seventeen twenty one edmer's history is distributed into six books and comprehends the reigns of the conqueror and rufus and the first twenty-two years of henry i that is from eighty ten sixty six to eleven twenty two one distinction belonging to edmer's narrative is the nearly entire absence of miracles he probably considered it improper to introduce such high matter into a composition which did not profess to be of a sacred or spiritual nature much of his work however is occupied with ecclesiastical transactions which indeed formed almost the entire home politics and no small part of the foreign politics also of that age he has in particular entered largely into the great controversy between the crown and the pope about investiture and one of the most curious parts of his history is a long and detailed account which he gives of his own appointment to the bishopric of st andrews in scotland and his contest about his consecration with the stout scottish king alexander i 
Malbillon has published a life of St. Wilfred by Edmer in the Acta Sanctorum Benedictinorum, Cyclo Third, Part One, and other tracts by him are in the Anglia Sacra. Durgo and Simeon of Durham, John of Hexham, and Richard of Hexham. Edmer's immediate predecessor in the See of St. Andrews was Turgo, who had been a monk of Durham before he was elevated to the primacy of Scotland in 1109. Perhaps the most interesting composition that we have from the pen of Turgo is a life of Malcolm Canmore's queen, Margaret, the sister of Edgar Athlin, whose confessor he was. It was drawn up at the request of her daughter Maud, wife of King Henry I, and is printed in the Actus Sanctorum of the Bolandis selden in his learned preface to the decum scriptores has advanced strong reasons for believing that the history of the church of durham which passes under the name of simeon dunalmensis and which that monk appears to have published as his own was really written by turgot but this view has been disputed in a disquisition by thomas reed which accompanies an edition of the history published at london in an october volume in seventeen thirty two by the rev thomas bedford it is in four books and extends over the time from eighty six thirty five to ten ninety five this history along with a continuation to a d eleven fifty four and a history of st cuthbert an epistle respecting the archbishops of york a tract on the siege of durham by the scots in nine sixty nine and a history of english affairs entitled de regibus and glorum et dacorum from eighty six sixteen to eleven twenty nine which for anything that is known are really by simeon are all in Dwisden's collection, and the English history to A.D. 957 is in the Monumenta. The latter, which is in the form of compendious annals, is continued to 1154 by John, prior of Hexham, Johannes Hargustaldensis, whose chronicle is likewise in Dwisden, as are also two books of lives of the bishops of Hexham, and an historical fragment on the reign of Stephen from 1135, to eleven thirty nine including a narrative of the battle of the standard by his successor prior richard together with a short poem in rhyming latin verses on that battle by serlo a monk of fountain abbey in yorkshire End of section ten